In those times where I feel like I'm kind of in the eye of the storm, I always just retreat to like the simplest, most organic pleasures that I have. Just spending time with people who I love and being in nature and kind of removing myself from being the center of things and, you know, standing under a mountain. I just feel like I gravitate to things that make me feel quite small and grounded. And that's always been nature for me. But, you know, there are times where it does feel like a blur. We have to be really intentional about being present and taking notes and appreciating each moment because a lot of being a musician is looking forward to the next song or the next interview or the next step in your kind of creative growth. So I had to really be conscious about being in the moment. That was Arlo Parks. And this is Shiro's a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, She Rose Radio. She Rose is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss challenges and triumphs, how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music better for everyone. Way back in January of 2021, I introduced my featured guest saying this, there's a feeling you get when you hear a new artist for the first time and know in your bones, this artist is gonna be big. From the jump, singer, songwriter, and poet Arlo Parks had that thing. Arlo was raised in West London, and as a teenager, she released her first single in 2018, catching the attention of the BBC. Soon a pair of EPs arrived in 2019, Super Sad Generation, followed by the EP Sophie. The accolades and press was nearly immediate. Soon she was gracing the cover of NME and won the AIM Independent Music Award for One to Watch that year. So when we last had Arlo Parks on Shiro's, she had just released her hotly anticipated full-length debut, collapsed in sunbeams, and as predicted, the album catapulted her career, receiving not only critical acclaim, but some of the biggest awards and nominations of the industry, including winning the coveted Mercury Prize for Album of the Year, three Brit Award nominations, and one win for Best New Artist, and two Grammy nominations. Now, keep in mind, this all happened during some of the worst of the pandemic, when touring had pretty much come to a standstill. Fast forward to the present day, May 2023, and Arlo Parks is back with a brand new album called My Soft Machine. And this time she comes back to Shiro's as a big star. I caught up with her a few weeks prior to release. And now that it's here, we celebrate its arrival by welcoming back Arlo Parks as this week's Shiro in the spotlight. Arlo Parks, welcome back to Shiro's. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A lot has happened since you were on Shiro's last. I want to catch up on all that. But first, congratulations on my soft machine. Thank you. How are you feeling? I think especially because it's now like about three weeks till it comes out. There's a mixture of its nerves, its excitement. I feel very proud of what I've made, but I think there's something very particular about kind of letting go of You know, it's like a child wandering out into the world. You know, it becomes then like a gift that you give to the rest of the world rather than it being this kind of private meditation that's yours and your collaborators. So it's mixed feelings, but I'm glad to be able to share it finally. And also like what a different world because I think about where we were a couple of years ago. And actually, when we were on Zoom, Mm -hmm. I think you were even in your bedroom. Yeah, my childhood bedroom, I remember. And it was 
lockdown. Mm. Even though you'd put out those two EPs before, this was your debut, and now the second album, not only do you have like all the accolades that are so well-deserved that have been piling up over the past couple of years, the Brit Awards, the Grammy nominations, now you have an amazingly huge, beloved fan base. Mm. So it's a whole different thing, right? Definitely. I feel like in terms of the fan base and also in terms of like the way that the record was made, being able to have that spirit of adventure and move to California and collaborate with so many new people, kind of community building in real time. And even, you know, I did a signing at Rough Trade a couple of days ago and like actually being able to have conversations and be human to human with the people who've kind of fallen in love with my music. It's really special. Like, I'm very, like, technology averse. So it's good to be able to talk to people. In real life. For sure. Yes, in real life. So tell us a little bit about, you just mentioned going to Los Angeles. I know that there is at least one collaborator that carries over from Collapse in Sunbeams, right? Mm -hmm. You worked with Paul Epworth a little bit last time. Yeah. He's part of this this time, but then there's this new group, too. Yeah, exactly. So Paul, I worked on Too Good and Portrait of 100 with from Collapse in Sunbeams. And then we made three of the songs in one week at Church Studios in Crouch End that used to be owned by a member of the Eurythmics, actually. And then in LA, that's where the bulk of the record was made. And I feel like I got such different things and energies from the different people that I worked with. With Ramil and Bed, like we're all in our early 20s and have that kind of like hunger and excitement when it comes to music and we're just like bouncing off the walls and being so excited about what we're making. And then working with people who have been doing it for a long time, people like Ariel Rekscheid and Buddy Ross and kind of having that sense of wisdom and patience. And I feel like they've both learned that like the song will reveal itself over time and to trust the process in that way. So... I feel like building a community that diverse really kind of helped the work to be what it what it is. Well, I'd love to get into a clip of one of these songs. And I was thinking maybe we could start with something that feels to you very different. Because there's a few songs on this that sonically mm. really go to new places. Do you want to pick something? Yeah, something that feels different. Yeah. I feel like the most different song is definitely Devotion. That's the one. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, the guitar. Talk to us a little bit about Devotion. For a long time, I've loved guitar music and I feel like it hasn't really translated that strongly into my work. Like my love of My Bloody Valentine, Smashing Pumpkins, Flaming Lips, The Pixies. And I wanted to create something that sonically reflected the intensity of the feelings. I feel like with Collapsing Sunbeams, the music was this kind of bath for the words to bathe in and it never really had that spikiness and that grit. Um, So I wanted to create something that had that sense of like, And no, it felt abrasive and euphoric, and it was so fun to make. It's interesting how the lyrics are a counterpoint a little bit Mm. to that effect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the lyrics are kind of centering around like longing and obviously a sense of devotion being committed to a person, wanting to protect them, wanting to take care of them and nourish what you have together. And there's a softness and a tenderness to the lyrics, kind of juxtaposed with maybe the hardness of the guitars and the urgency.
Devotion, track three on the brand new Arlo Parks album called My Soft Machine. She's our guest today on Shiro's. I'm Carmel Holt. We were just talking about some sonic differences, but for Arlo Parks fans like myself, there's plenty that carries over as well. This cinematic quality, your ability to transport us into this world, into many worlds even. I noticed that on this album, color, and color played a a large part in the last record too, but I feel like this is like your red and blue album. Yeah. Was that intentional? It's interesting because I feel like nothing is really intentional with Mm -hmm. me. Like it's only retrospectively that I kind of find these threads or themes or patterns in what I've made. But I've always had a sensory approach to things, as you say, and had a great love of kind of visual mediums of art and film and painting. And I feel like the richness of color and scent and taste just really adds a third dimension to the writing. So I remember, I think it was for the last record, you had been watching some David Lynch films. Mm-hmm. You were really inspired by some photography as well. I believe it was Nan Golden. Am mm-hmm. I remembering that right? Yeah, Nan Golden and right. Tillman's and all of that. Right. Yeah. So on this album, where were you drawing some inspiration from this time? Was there yeah. anything along those lines that was more multidisciplinary? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, always. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just yeah. like a, a voracious consumer of everything. But when I think about photographers, there's this book called Girl Pictures by Justine Kelland, which is all these really moving portraits of like young girls and their sense of connection and coming of age. And it's quite pastoral and just so gorgeous. So I love that book and that sense of kind of love in all its forms, not necessarily being romantic, but that closeness that you feel in friendship. And in terms of what films I was watching, I was delving into a lot of the Gus Van Sant stuff, you know, My In Private Idaho, Jerry, a lot of the Vim Vendors pieces, Paris, Texas in particular, some Claire Denis movies. I was really interested just in like delving into many different cultures and their tradition of storytelling, going beyond maybe the Western film that we gravitate towards and watching films from Brazil and Iran and kind of stretching my horizons out and being a student of, you know, film all over the world. So how do you feel like any of these things that you just mentioned translate into what we're hearing here? Mm. I think for me, it it all boils down to storytelling Mm. and the way that people use their language, especially kind of observing how films unfold certain topics and build out characters in a way that feels very believable because a lot of the people I'm talking about on this record I know deeply and it's interesting to think about which details to include for people who don't know them to kind of build a complete picture of their character and you know their issues and what they love and their anxieties and I feel like I want my songs to be kind of like a scene from a movie in terms of the vividness of the detail and just freezing moments in time like that is something that really interests me. It really feels that way. I mean, Thank mission, you. mission accomplished. <laughs> Why don't we pick, you mentioned Vim Vendors, and I'm trying to remember what song you actually name check Vim Vendors. Is the song in. Puppy? Puppy is the song. Okay. Can we talk about the puppy? Is there a real puppy? Because puppy and dog come up several times in yeah. this record. Yeah. So dog rose is like that kind of pinkish color. But puppy yeah. in Pegasus is a real puppy, my dog Wednesday. And in the song puppy, it's mainly about just that sense of innocence and that sense of innocence being slowly eroded and kind of finding your childlike wonder again and grief. And I don't know, the image of a puppy in that softness was something that I really loved. Did you adopt a puppy recently? My girlfriend has a dog called Wednesday, okay. who I have now taken as my as own child. Own. Of course, <laughs> you have to. Yes. Summer spread its wings, me and budding out. 
from Arlo Park's new album, My Soft Machine. Arlo's our guest today on Shiro's. I'm Carmel Holt. So I said coming in that there was so much that happened since we saw each other. What has that been like? Like, how do you say grounded in all of this explosive success and the timing? What has all this been like for you? It's definitely been a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, I feel like I don't know, in those times of where I feel like I'm kind of in the eye of the storm, I always just retreat to like the simplest, most organic pleasures that I have. Just spending time with people who I love and being in nature and kind of removing myself from being the center of things and, you know, standing under a mountain. And I just feel like I gravitate to things that make me feel quite small and and grounded. Um, And that's always been nature for me. But you know, there are times where it does feel like a blur, where you have to be really intentional about being present and taking notes and appreciating each moment because mm. a lot of being a musician is looking forward to the next song or the next interview or the next step in your kind of creative growth. So I had to really be conscious about like being in the moment really wholly. Was there any part of you going into this process of making the second record that felt maybe the weight of anticipation from like or expectations from the outside world, Mm. having anything to live up to, especially with all of that immediate success? Mm. I think that was definitely like a personal pressure that I put on myself to kind Mm. of create something that felt like I had kind of evolved and learned something new. But the way I approached this record was very much... You know, I was just like, okay, I'm going to just make songs and meet people who I really respect. And the record kind of coalesced in a way that was almost unconscious. And then I got to the point where I was like, oh, okay, I've got 12 or 13 songs that I really love and that now I can kind of craft into a record. So the actual songwriting process came with ease. And I'm really grateful for that because I know a lot of sophomore records kind of come with a lot of, you know, self-doubt and that idea of having to kind of live up to something. But I didn't really have that, which I'm grateful for. That's amazing. What can you tell us about any kind of a thread or a theme that you've seen emerging through this record? Like, if you were to describe this album to us, what would you say? Mm. I feel like it's definitely a record of contrasts when it comes to, you know, the themes of, for example, like, feeling very emotional, almost having the emotions brimming out of you and feeling so sensitive and kind of raw to the world. And then that sense of kind of numbness and detachment and trying to protect yourself. I think this is a record of, you know, light and shade. And I guess that's what it's like to be a human being. There's lots of explorations, of course, of love and accepting healthy love, feeling kind of chained to unhealthy love. And I guess in general, it's a record about being an adult, like, you know, Collapse in Summies was about being a teenager and That's right. coming into the world. And then, you know, it's about being an adult, witnessing the people around me either being lost or finding their way or, you know, just being out in the world as, as a human and having to make your own decisions and find your place. 
That is so well said. And actually, I'm so glad that you said that because I was listening back to our first conversation and just reminding myself where this all started. And and yeah, I mean, this was like poetry from your teenage bedroom almost, mm-hmm. right? You know, and you open this album with Bruiseless, mm-hmm. which is like, who cannot relate to this? This mm-hmm. feeling of like, God, like... It's painful to be a human and it's painful to love people and watch people in pain and Mm. just that kind of like loss of innocence, loss of youth feeling. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I don't know, especially in that song, that song came last actually because I always, when it comes to the first song on the record, I need to know what I'm opening a door into and I always have to write it at the end. I recorded it at Electric Lady in New York and... Yeah, it's about that loss of innocence and feeling like you can't kind of protect yourself from what life throws at you. But there are also glimmers of joy, you know, the idea of the peony or the idea of, you know, being fed cheese by a partner and just those little moments of connection. And I guess, yeah, again, that kind of introduces that sense of light and shade, bitter and sweet, and just kind of what comes with being a human being. I wish I was bruiseless. Almost everyone that I love has been abused and I am included I feel so much guilt that I can guard more people from harm We listen to Luma, lumps in my head I struggle to smooth The person I love is patient with me, she's feeding me cheese and I'm happy Like a peony ripped by the chain of a dirt bike I just wish I was seven and there's Bruiseless that kicks off the new Arlo Parks album, My Soft Machine. She's here with us on Shiro's. You name check some people that I love. Claire Danes, Juliette Binoche, mm-hmm. and Enya. <laughs> Can you talk to us a little bit about some of these musical and film references and mm. the role that they played for you? Yeah, I feel like references place something, like especially because... These are all artists and movies that I've gravitated towards over time. And I think they really convey a feeling like, for example, that Romeo and Juliet reference, you know, looking at someone through an aquarium and the idea of that connection and the way that you see them and the way that they see you kind of being disrupted as if you're looking at them through water. And, and, you know, even when I think about Paris, Texas and the Vim Vendors movie and the vividness of those colors, that kind of ultra saturation that becomes dimmed maybe as you move through life and lose that innocence. Yeah, I don't know. For me, the specificity of thinking about what I was actually listening to in that moment and what kind of grounds that story is something I've always done. And I don't know. It's just natural to me to, to be honest about what was kind of soundtracking that moment. We mentioned some of the producers that were involved with this, but I also wanted to make sure to give you credit as a producer (laughs) on this record. Talk to us a little bit about your journey with production and being a producer. Yeah, so I started off when I was young, kind of believing, I guess naively, that everyone kind of writes and produces their music from scratch. So (laughs) I just taught myself GarageBand because I was like, okay, this is the skill set that I need if I want to make music properly. And that gave me, I guess, an understanding of the way that music works and the way that production works. And then when I moved into my career and, you know, being a professional musician, I was like, okay, I want to learn from people. I want to be a student and I want to connect with people who have production as like their main love and main kind of life purpose. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I kind of moved into a space where I was like, okay, I feel like I'm able to execute what I want. 
And I kind of want to be assertive and kind of believe in myself as a curator and as a producer. And especially because I was on the road so much, I had this little setup that I took with me that was the same as what I used when I was 16. And almost kind of having to create something out of those few resources really kind of opened doors in terms of, you know, believing in myself and creating something from nothing. On the show, I have to say that a running theme, in fact, even just yesterday, we talked about production because she studied engineering at school, at college, mm, okay. because her whole thing was she felt like she needed to learn how to do it all because mm. she was a woman and she was going to be like overrun in the studio. Mm. And so she's finally in a place where she feels like she can turn the reins over to somebody else. But it took her learning that language and getting all of that education to feel that way. And so mm. that she knows that if she needs to, she can take the, the wheel again. Yeah. But she's also started producing for others. Mm. And um, we need more women producing. We need more yeah. women behind the boards. We need more engineers. I agree. Um, have you ever thought about producing for other people? I feel like I've thought about songwriting for other people, for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like to produce for someone else, like it needs to be the craft that you think about night and day and that you're completely passionate about. And mm -hmm. I feel like for me, production is like a vessel for the language, right. but it's not something that drives me and kind of fulfills me in the same way that writing does. Is it fair to say that you would agree with her, though, that we need more people? Of course. Like of diversity course. In, the, in the studios? Of yeah. course. Yeah. I feel like having femme people and non-binary people and kind of creating, just creating an, an atmosphere that reflects like what is in the world. Like right. there are right. no fewer, you know, women making beautiful art and making art in so many different kind of pockets of music. Yeah. Like it, it needs to just represent the landscape. Totally. And I love to see it um, that Phoebe Bridgers, who was a very early supporter of yours, is now on this album. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about your relationship with Phoebe and about this song. Yeah. So when it comes to Phoebe, you know, I was a massive fan. That first record really soundtracks my kind of later teenage years, especially that song Funeral. It still just completely breaks my heart. Crushes um, you. Crushing. Crushes you. Absolutely <laughs> crushing. So, yeah, I was a big fan before. And then she kind of voiced her support for me. We hung out. I played piano on this cover that she did of Fake Plastic Trees and Kyoto in this church in the UK. And then we started kind of jumping on each other's sets at places like Glastonbury and Coachella and just kind of lending our voices to each other's work. And it just felt so natural, especially when it comes to this song. You know, it's an exploration of love, but there is this kind of melancholic underbelly to, to the message of it. And I feel like her voice and the command that she has over her voice and that softness and that ability to kind of convey so much emotion almost effortlessly, it just felt completely right, especially as I've never had a feature on my music. And, right, I know. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, that's a first, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, oh. and I wanted it to be a friend of mine. It felt really good to bring her into the world in that way. Got the red eye Just to be near my head eats me you're making sure I eat in a cold mark Mother just to tell her that I'm happy I'll tell you the truth Being with someone always made me feel used That it would make me angry Cause I need love like a body needs sugar I need love 
That's Pegasus featuring Phoebe Bridgers, another place where the puppy shows up. Puppy in your Prussian blue sheets. I love that. <laughs> blue jewels around your neck. Your writing is just amazing. <laughs> Arlo you. Parks is here with us on Shiro's. The new album is called My Soft Machine. I remember also that you were going to or you were thinking about or maybe you're working on, I think, a novel and a book of poetry. Right? Yeah. So, Are yeah. those projects still Yeah, in that's progress? still alive. Okay. Yeah. The book of poetry is definitely very much still alive. I've been actually kind of transitioning to learning a bit more about screenwriting and like thinking about writing a script at some point. That's yes. something I really love. The novel is always kind of in the works and it's definitely something that I want to do at some point in my lifetime. But I feel like I still have that restlessness. Like I still have that desire to be traveling and exploring and kind of being out in that world in that way. And I feel like when I write a novel, I want to like hole up in upstate New York and just be in my full writing energy. You better call me because that's where I live. (laughs) Oh, really? Uh, Wow, (laughs) nice. You also spent some time on the mic, which Mm -hmm. I loved to see. Talk to us about your radio show that you did. Are you still doing it for BBC? It's finished now, but I did like 21 episodes of it, mainly on the road as well, which was definitely a lot of hard work. But I managed to speak to some incredible people, you know, everyone from Zadie Smith to Ocean Vuong to St. Vincent and Clara and just so many different people that I admire. The conversation with Sharon Van Etten was definitely one of my favorites. Oh, she um, is amazing, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. And just being able to learn from these people. And, yeah. You know, the main ethos with the program was that when I was younger, I spent so much time kind of wanting to learn about the musicians that I looked up to and the music that meant a lot to them and their journeys and kind of wanting to create that resource for teenagers who weren't really sure right. how to start and who were interested in in the way that all these different creatives kind of move through the world and their musical journey in terms of the songs they fell in love with. So that was kind of what I wanted to do with Dream Fuel. Dream Fuel, yeah. So if folks want to listen to that, mm-hmm. can they listen to it as a podcast? Where is it available? Yeah, it will be on BBC Sounds, which you can kind of access all around the world. All around the world. Okay, great. That's what I wanted to know for Mm -hmm. us here in the States. Arlo Parks, it has been so great to have you here. Before we wrap up, we didn't do this last time because I think I started doing this like fairly recently within the past year. I've been closing the show with an exercise called the Shiro's Magic Wand. Okay. And I give my guests, I'm going to give you the Shiro's Magic Wand imaginary magic wand. And with that, you have the power to change anything in music spaces for women and non-binary and genderqueer folks. What would you change? Mm. What would I change? I feel like there are two things, but I guess I have to pick one thing. Okay, you Um, can pick two. Two things. Okay. This is Um, your magic wand. My magic wand. Yeah. Yeah. I guess something that I know will happen in the future. I hope for this, but I also know this, that there are just more of us there are more of us in all different roles whether that be engineering whether that be you know as producers or you know crew at shows and just in every single space of music whether that be creative or more practical because we are there and we're creating great work and we have the intelligence and the ethic and you know the talent and I hope that that is reflected in terms of how many of us are in these spaces because we deserve to be So that's the first thing. And then I think just in general, like having a sense of mental health support in those spaces and actually giving people the resources to deal 
with what it means to be a creative because so many of us as artists obviously have that kind of public facing pressure but as you know creative people in general that sensitivity like often a lot of us struggle with our mental health and there isn't that kind of bedrock of support so yeah I hope for that as well so those are my two things you are involved with an organization. Do you want to give them a shout out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm involved with Calm, Campaign Against Living Miserably in the UK. And they provide support in form of helplines and just lots of different resources in order to help people who are struggling with their mental health and giving free advice for people who, you know, can't afford to have therapy or support in that way. And they're doing really excellent work. And I've been working with them since 2021. Amazing. So if folks want to look them up, is that yeah, something that's just, also international? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, okay. it is. And I believe it's just Calm Zone, either .co.uk or .com. I'm not sure, but it's Calm. Okay, yeah. awesome. Arlo, do you want to choose a track to take us out today? What song should we end with? Do you have a favorite or one that you feel like especially proud of? I think the song Dog Rose feels like a nice tone to end this interview with. I think there is this sense of kind of lightness and sweetness to the production. It's something that I kind of demoed out in a hotel room in Toronto by myself. And yeah, I'm proud of this one. You jump in the tide, stars and look feeling Thanks to Arlo Parks. Thank you so much for being with us on Shiro's. It's so great to see you. Thank you. So nice to see you. Many thanks once again to Arlo Parks for joining us. Her sophomore album, My Soft Machine, is available now on Transgressive Records. And many thanks also to WXPN in Philadelphia for the use of their studio where we recorded this interview. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at Shiro's Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps us grow and bring you more Shiro's. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening.